This, 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 this is mythical. Welcome to Ear Biscuits. I'm Rhett. And I'm Link. Joining us today at the round table of dim lighting is Rhett and Link. Hey, here we are. Hey, guys, here we are. Thanks for having us. Yes. Um, uh, thanks for having uh, me. Yeah. And you. Me is glad to be here with you. Me is glad, us to, is be glad to be with here us. with us. We and are we. glad to be here with them. That could pretty much go on all day, but it won't. Um, it's just the two of us, uh, Rhett and Link only, Ear Biscuit. Yeah, we're gonna be talking about something that's interesting to us and hopefully interesting to you today. And th- this is what we've been doing on some of these Rhett and Link only Ear Biscuits lately. We have what we're kind of calling like an extended Good Mythical Morning uh, conversation. The kind of thing that we would condense down into a list of about 10 minutes, now we're going to dig down, get into more detail and have an interesting conversation, follow some rabbit trails, learn some new stuff for about an hour. Yeah. So um, strap in. Somebody actually called us out. Put your lip balm on. Using the term rabbit trail. Hmm. And they said, it's not it's not going on a rabbit trail, it's going down the rabbit hole. Well, but it depends on what part of the country you're from. Yeah, I think in our part of the country, there's also rabbit Have trails. Have you been down a rabbit trail? You'll get lost real quick, son. Rabbit hole, human can't even get in a rabbit hole. You got you stick. You might stick your nose in it. You probably stick your hand in it. Might get bit by a rabid uh, rabbit. A little blonde girl can go down a rabbit hole. That's where that's from. It's from, right. It's it's referring to it's that. It's a book later turned into a movie. I'm familiar with it. And that's what we're talking about today. Uh, misused. Colloquialism. No, we're not. We're talking about acquired savant syndrome, also known as accidental genius. Now, this is fascinating because both you and I have been hit in the head pretty badly a couple of times in our life, and it has resulted in some great stories, especially what happened with Link. You can go on the internet and look on our- Just uh, search Link's broken pelvis story. Yeah, yeah, it's a a whole thing. The only interesting thing that happened to you is you just began repeating evidently uh, hold on, I'm just coming to, evidently I hurt my left hip. Yeah. That w- was fascinating, but it but was nothing. I, I did not get smarter. Oh and, no. And that's what all of these are. Yes. I mean, people get hit in the head and becoming geniuses. Now you said accidental genius, but I've also never met uh, an intentional genius. You either are or you're not. No, I'm an intentional genius. <laughs> I used to be real stupid. Well, you could say that again. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're trying really hard to be a genius. I'll give you that. Uh, but I mean, you- I'm you, a try hard genius. You either are a genius or you aren't, but there's a, but there's a subset of genius eye that- mm, Don't think that's a word. Are, they got that way by getting hit in the noggin, and that's what we're talking about today. So. I mean, I feel like we might need to put a warning on this. I th- I think we are going to get so excited. You think we're going to be pres- prescribing getting hit in the head? We are not prescribing hitting yourself in the head <clears throat> or doing anything to get hit in the head, but you might want to be because these stories, I'm so excited to talk about them because they're so fascinating. They're so amazing. There, there's parts of this that I want for myself. I think we should dig into that. But all of this is real. Um, if we're making any of this up, um, well, we'd be more genius than we are. Uh, I think the warning I'll put up front is, I would say 99.9 something percent of the time when people get in the head in the way that we're going to describe, these people get you hit You left the, the word hit out. You hit, said get in the head. Get hit in the head. Okay, yeah, okay. Um, 99 point whatever percent of the time, it doesn't end well. You no. don't get smarter. No. So I don't think this is something you can plan. 
So we're gonna get into that. But first we wanna take a moment to tell you about our sponsor, Squarespace. Squarespace is the easiest way to create a beautiful website, blog, or online store for you and your ideas. Squarespace features an elegant interface, beautiful templates, and incredible 24-7 customer support. Try Squarespace at squarespace.com, enter code BISCUITS. I know it's not the easiest word to spell. Uh, there's a C in it. It looks like biscuits. But it's really just biscuits. <laughs> if uh, I know we don't have to tell you guys how to spell biscuits. Just look at it, Google I'm it. I'm sorry. None of us are geniuses here, but we know how to spell biscuits. We do. Uh, so enter code biscuits at checkout to get 10% off. Squarespace.com, offer code biscuits. Squarespace, build it beautiful. All right, let's, um, let's get into this biscuit. Okay, first up is Ben McMahon from Melbourne, Australia. Early 2012, he's 20 years old, and he's a passenger in a very bad car accident that mm. uh, puts him in a coma for a week. He almost dies. Okay. But after one week in a coma, he finally woke up and all he could speak was Mandarin. Okay. Well, He's an that, Australian guy. Who didn't speak Mandarin? Okay, let me give you a little bit more information about this because it, it, it is completely fascinating, but it's Did not- Did he speak Australian before? But it's not like there was <laughs> English. A, a Mandarin lesson plan in the DVD player of the car that suddenly got like shoved into his mouth and somehow he, his brain absorbed it. <laughs> yeah. Because well, that would have been really cool. That's not what I was thinking. <clears throat> okay. Ben was an English speaker. He couldn't speak Mandarin before his accident, but he did have a point of reference. In high school, only years prior, just you know, a few years prior to the accident, he studied French and Mandarin, and he also traveled and spent some time in Beijing, but okay. he could never speak Mandarin fluently until he woke up from his coma. So it's one of those things where he had learned a, quite a bit about it, but had never put it into practice to actually be able to speak it. So it's kind of like I took three years of uh, French class. As did I. I speak, I can say, je suis René, and I rolled my R, which is not even appropriate for French. You could, I have no idea how to speak Fr uh, French. Mm -hmm. yeah. I almost said speak France to give you just a point of reference. Right. But I was in class for three years, you know, supposedly exposed to things, and maybe there's a part of my brain that has it because and this so guy's brain McMahon. had it, right. So he wakes up. Wow, so it's like him getting <clears throat> hit in the head after the coma, it's like it unlocked that place right. where all this information was. And here's how it happens. He wakes up from his coma after being in a coma for a week, almost dying. There's an Asian nurse. I don't know if that's a key to this process working, but there's an Asian nurse standing by his side. He's in Australia, but he sees an Asian nurse and he tells her in Mandarin, excuse me, nurse, I feel really sore here. He points, I don't know where he pointed. I don't, it's not, I don't have a video of it. That's not pertinent. He then asked for a pen and paper and wrote in Chinese. Oh, wow. I love my mom, I love my dad, I will recover. Here's what Ben said about this. Well, he's got good priorities. He said. Loving those parents. I wasn't consciously thinking I was speaking Mandarin. It he was, was just talking. Just what came out and what was most natural to me. Wow. And then it takes him two or three days to start speaking, speaking English again and now he speaks both languages fluently. But his go-to language on the other side of the coma was Mandarin. Yeah, exclusively. In a way that it had never been. It wasn't like his brain made a choice, it was that it opened up something that had never been opened. And like a, a Mandarin valve. Do we all as humans have a Mandarin valve that just needs to be opened? I, I highly doubt that. 
But you, but if, I don't have a. But is it a valve? Is it a valve that French would come out mm. if it were open for us after three well, it's years? It's probably not a valve. It's probably it, a part of the brain. But there's so little we know about the brain that these anomalies. Well, there is a are a window into that. Well, okay. And and plumbing analogies, I, I'm certain, yeah, go a long way in neuroscience. Instead of you conjecturing and you know saying that there was potentially a valve that was unlocked, I'm going to tell you what Doctor. Uh, Pankaj Saul, a Queensland Brain Institute neuroscientist says about this, he said. Can you tell me in Mandarin? Uh, no, he said the brain has different circuits that assist in language, speaking, breathing, and thinking. And he claims it is possible that the parts of Ben's brain that could recall English got damaged during the crash while those parts that retain Mandarin got activated when he woke up from the coma. Oh. So we're not exactly sure what happened during the coma but it's like he got. It's like his brain compensated and went for the other part that the other language. It rewired itself, and it it wasn't temporary. Because listen to this, he after this he enrolled in a Mandarin class. I don't know why. I guess to dominate. I don't. But <laughs> he entered an international Chinese language competition. He started which exists Mandarin walking tours, and even hosted a Chinese TV show. He is now known as the best Mandarin-speaking Westerner in China, and some Chinese people say he speaks better Mandarin than them. <laughs> Dude, totally capitalized because of this freaking car his, accident on his head in the head. He became the most. He became a celebrity. He became a celebrity <laughs> just by being able. To, that white dude can speak some Mandarin. <laughs> Man, he's better than us. He's got to be like a TV game show host. Yeah, exactly. Great. I mean, if I'm gonna like turn a corner after something bad happens to me, like it doesn't get any better than being a TV host. Oh no, definitely. Like a game show host. That is the peak. That is that is where you got to go. It's like any, it's like you have a superhuman ability. It's not, I'm not gonna fight crime. I'm not gonna like. Let me host a show. I'm not gonna fight like technical writing Mandarin crime. No, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be a game show celebrity. Well, it, I didn't say game show, that's what you heard. Did I say game show? I, I thought, thought I said Chinese TV show. Oh, I just well, <laughs> but I like to think I guess that it was I a game show. Assumed that it was. I, think, I don't know. You're why. probably thinking like Japanese game show. I think you said game show in Mandarin oh, in there, okay. and you didn't know what just you were subliminally. saying. Yeah, really, really quietly. When you spoke Mandarin, you don't that's know what, what you're ta saying. I think that's what it was. Well, here's a question for us, though. I, but I also noticed that the the scientific explanation used electrical analogies because the brain is you know, electrical impulses, but I, I'm still gonna lobby for the valve. plumbing analogies. Okay, so right. if, I'm just gonna keep going back to that, even though I know it's maybe, an electrical world in there. Maybe his trap was, his uh, his trap was clogged. His English trap was clogged. clogged. And the and Mandarin they, pipe. They, they went in there to let another. Opened up. Yeah, that, the valve. Yeah, we should, we should start our own university. What's your question? Here's a question for us, it is, would you willingly be in a car accident mm. that would be this traumatic, but here's the thing, you know that you will recover fully, okay? But you will be in a coma for a week. I know this is a totally hypothetical, impossible situation, but let's just say I was a magic person and I was and I was the kind of person who could say, you can be in a car wreck right now, you're I almost gonna I, die. You mean a magician? Yeah, I'm gonna be, uh, no, this would be, a magic person is a totally different category. <laughs> Magicians oh. do fake stuff, but a magic person does real magic. Oh, wow. Okay, it's like a genie, but it's a different, okay? Okay. Um, <laughs> so, and you gotta go through this process, but when you come out, 
you can speak any other language fluently, but the price you pay is the accident. Would you would you sign up for that? You have to go through the pain of recovery, but you will recover. Mm. I mean, there's there's a lot of emotional baggage that comes along with being in an accident that I I can't quantify having not done it, but I know there's like, I mean, that could stick. I I, I can't quantify that, but let's just say that emotionally and and mentally, like there's no repercussions of the accident, right? And no one else is hurt, of course. Yeah, yeah. It's like Rosetta Stone, but it's just a wreck. <laughs> Yeah, would that cost more than the than the DVDs or less? Yeah, I think it, yeah, because you got to have a stunt coordinator. Are you? I guess a, a doctor. I, I, first, I have to ask what the I have to answer what the language would be. Dude, okay. you pick the language. It's I like know. Rosetta Stone. I have to you, pick. You, I have to pick you go that first. on the website and you pick the language, and then a week answer, later that we pick you up and have a wreck with you. I have to answer because I'm. I've already opened up this business. I just hope was hoping you would be on board. I think it would have to be Spanish, and I think I would have to know the answer to that before I answered the larger question of if I'd go through it. Um, well, I don't know. I got to think about game shows now. Like, what type of what land would I like to host a game show in? Is really what you're asking, <laughs> that's it, right? That's pertinent. So, I mean, I would love to host Icelandic. No, that's not useful. There's not a lot of. I don't think there's a lot of not enough viewers. Like, I definitely I wanna, would do Spanish, and I'd host a Spanish freaking game show. I would also just speak Spanish in LA, which it comes in very Right, handy that's why I first said Spanish, but now that I'm thinking game show, I'm thinking Japanese. They have the best freaking game shows yeah, yeah. I don't ever. Know, I don't know if they'll let you over and there. And I am going to be that that American dude who speaks Japanese better than anybody and host all those Japanese yeah. game shows. That's me, man. Well, you better. Absolutely, I, this is now an easy answer. You gotta get started now though, because when my program hits the uh, the internet, Rose Everybody's gonna be doing it. Rhett's Rosetta Wreck. Ro Rosetta Wreck, yeah. CD-ROM series. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's my idea. I'm so excited about being a Japanese game show host. Okay, well, it'll, it's $500,000. Well, I mean, that's like a weekly salary for game show hosts over there, right? <laughs> okay. They're the highest paid people in, uh, probably outside of Japanese government. Okay, you got something better than that? No, but I do have Tommy McHugh. Okay, he sounds interesting. Bar brawler turned art savant. Savant. All right, so Tommy McHugh uh, lived in Liverpool and spent most of his life causing trouble. This dude always getting into brawls at pubs. You know how Liverpoolians, like they, they oh. just brawl in pubs, man. Hooligans. And he was arrested for drugs when he was like in his 20s. Picture this dude's like, he's tatted up Burly, scruffy, Liverpoolian, okay. man's man. In and out of prison, I mean, prison tattoo kind of a dude. All right. Not the kind of guy you see drawing pictures or writing poetry, I'll mm -hmm. tell you that. Mm -hmm. Okay, one day, back in 2001, uh, Tommy was sitting on the toilet. Oh, that's a good place to sit. Uh, he was not in jail at the time. Yeah, because that's a bad place to sit. Um, you wanna get that over with quickly. But he had this real bad headache. And now I, I will say I've had a few headaches yeah. and I've been so desperate to get rid of them that I've, honestly, I've actually thought, I wonder if I just use the restroom, if that will help. Like I've, I haven't, I don't get migraines. I, I you're looking at me like I'm an idiot. Not connected. I don't. So, There's not you, a valve between the brain <laughs> and, the, and the rectum. I've, I've had headaches so bad that I'm willing to try almost anything to get rid of them and I've, that's one of the things I've tried. Okay. 
a bowel movement. And I know that's all t- that's a rabbit trail. Maybe a BM will help you feel better. My mom so, used to say that. So, and it it doesn't really help. So I'm just gonna, that's my friendly piece of advice. But Tommy uh, had a really bad headache. He's on the toilet. Turns out it was a brain hemorrhage. Ooh, that's uh, bad. Dude's brain started to bleed, not from one, but from both sides due to ruptured rupturing aneurysms and he was immediately rushed to surgery. I don't mm. even know if they pulled his pants up back up before they did it. Um, so I, I, I hope so. I hope you know, don't, dude. You can't strain that hard. I mean, I'm just saying. Oh, you think this is a hemorrhoid? I don't know. I'm just saying, if you're straining so hard that you have a double hemorrhage, you got. It be, is unlikely to have. Got to be careful. Aneurysms on both sides at the same time. He made it out of surgery alive, but when he got home, he started doing some very bizarre things. Uh, for the first three months after his surgery, he spoke only in weird rhymes. Oh. He's like, he became like a Dr. Seuss book. Like well, this is interesting. Like Wordsmith from that obscure uh, Junkyard Cats cartoon that I used to watch as a kid. There was a cat, one of the cats was called Wordsmith and everything he said rhymed because he was the guy that did everything on time. I just tried to make a rhyme, I, I, I can't do Have it. Have you had an, an aneurysm? No. You're just demonstrating. So three months just talking in poetic that, I gotta rhy- take, rhyming, that's pretty cool. Well, well, I, I gotta take issue with that because I think it would be pretty frustrating for me if I was his friend. Because <laughs> yeah. I, I remember when you came out of your, when you had your concussion and you yep. were saying evidently I hurt my left hip over and over again, I was, as I tell in the story on the internet, 100% sure that you were joking. And I was like, how long is he gonna let this? Because we were ended like joking with people and pranking people in yeah. college. So I was like, how long is this gonna take? If you were in an accident and you came out only speaking in rhymes, I would be like, Link, you gotta end this joke. This is not yeah, funny anymore. Th- like uh, a few hours later, okay, that's enough. A few days later, okay, that's enough. Three months later, yeah. like, okay. I wouldn't be his friend dude, anymore. Dude, uh, your brain is different now. Now, he was a construction worker. Uh, never in his 50 years of getting drunk and fighting people in pubs did he express any level of creativity, much less speaking rhyme. He had never rhymed anything. Um, well, he started writing down poetry, uh, one of which I have here for our enjoyment. The empty chair fills me with despair. No one is sitting there. Oh, three rhymes in that. The empty room fills me with gloom till black rose blood bloom. The empty bed, my love is dead, where loving words were once said. The empty clothes do make me cry, costumes of a time gone by. My empty heart cannot restart. Love has gone away. I am split in two. These words are true as I empty myself. Of you, I mean that doesn't sound like some dude who's punching in the face in a in a uh, like a pub brawl. But if he did, that would be like an epic Tarantino character. Well, it's you know like speaking in rhyme and just like ripping your teeth out with your like <laughs> with like your bare knuckles. It's fascinating that he would have a, almost a personality change. I got to say, personality change. I'm not terribly impressed by the poetry. I'm impressed by the. Let me give you more. The the shift. He started seeing all kinds of images and words in his mind. Uh, he decided to start sketching them out. Okay. One, one day his wife comes home to find him drawing alien faces like with their mouths agape. Like, uh, oh, grudge situation. Yeah, 
well, it's kind of like really surprised aliens, like um, turning the tables. Like we're supposed to be surprised by aliens. I don't know. He, he had this like artistic explanation for everything. The dude became the opposite of somebody he would ever be. He was obsessed with writing, painting, and sculpt. Anything artist he became. He used his own walls as canvases, covered his entire home in paintings. This is, and he was a construction worker. Different, yeah, different guy now. He, he started sending letters out to doctors asking them to take a look at him. And of course, the letters were written as poems. In <laughs> <laughs> rhyme. Oh, how do you respond to that? Well, a, a team of researchers put him through every cognitive test imaginable and concluded that, yes, his artistic output was due to his brain's sudden decision to start bleeding, which caused some damage to his frontal lobe. Um, the exact cause is unknown. Doctors have named it sudden artistic output. I mean, I think that's what doctors live for. It's like, well, I'm just gonna, I'm, I'm able to name this. It seems like they could have come up with a better name, like, I don't know, like, Tommy's artist. Tommy's really into art now. Syndrome. Well, that would know. just be that would just be Tommy, though. That's I mean, true. So, but I, okay, I don't understand what what happened. Damage to the frontal lobe. I mean, they don't know. He had some pins put in to stop the bleeding, so they couldn't do an MRI. They, I don't know. It was just, you know, it's just some doctors guessing. So it's one of the. It, it's the brain. There's just who knows. You know, it's the weird thing is that. Something gets damaged, which causes another part of the brain to become emphasized, expressed, a valve in a the artist valve was in an interesting way because you can't. This isn't like blowing on a Nintendo cartridge, right? (laughs) When you think about that, you're like, how does that work? How does blowing on a Nintendo cartridge get Legend of Zelda to boot up in the right way? That makes total sense. The dust that was on the part that was keeping it from booting up was 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 okay. Un- that does make more sense, but it it's almost like creating something out of nothing. If you're not artistic before something gets shut off, is, well, is no it just the shutting off of something that turns something else on? Because you can't make a part of the brain work better by hitting it hard, right? Or I, I, shaking something loose. Shaking something right. Shaking something. No. Shaking something into place. Well, no, I. We're. I mean, we're no neuroscientists, but it just tells me that, like, you're there's all the, these building blocks there. Like everything's there. It's just a question of what's expressed. It's so meaning that it was in his brain already. To be an artist, there was it, an artist in there. Right, but it had been subdued. and there was a brawler in there. And it had been subdued or just one. Both weren't expressed. Like. Only one was expressed, and then it was depressed, and then another was expressed. I'm using like landscaping terms now. I'm thinking like sprinklers. We can only come up with analogies because we don't understand it. Right, we don't understand it. I mean, when he explains it, he says, my mind is like a volcano exploding with bubbles, and each bubble contains a million other bubbles, and then another million bubbles of unstoppable creative ideas. (laughs) He also went on to write The Animaniacs. <laughs> he actually became a much nicer person and he doesn't drink and bar fight. He wishes he'd always been that way. If you could have one part of your brain unlocked, assuming that everything that you know about everybody is in all of our brains and you could unlock one part. And I had to 
have a horrible constipation session in order to make it happen? <laughs> yes. But what part of the brain would it be? Like, I, you know, I think we kind of see, see ourselves as like kind of well-rounded individuals, but, you, but if there's a limitation, you know, we're not as funny or we're too analytical or, you know, it's. Yeah, I've always said I, I'm good at a lot of things. Because this power I'm, will happen. This, I, I'm you, not You'll great. be able to make an appointment in the future and unlock certain things, right? And but you're not going to know what's going to get locked up in order to create, allow that to that sprinkler to open. It, when you water no, the lawn of, in the no, front yard, one of these the backyard's going to dry up. Oh no, I, this is all this is all leading to something. Inevitably, there will be a time in which you will be able to undergo surgery. They'll figure this out, and they'll, and you'll be able. What to are you going to choose? Engineer is my question. Greatness, because what I was going to say is, I've always thought, yeah, I, I'm not afraid to say I feel like I'm good at a lot of things. I don't think I'm great. At anything, mm-hmm. you know, it's like I can hold my own with music enough to enough to write something that's catchy, right? But it ain't it's no musical genius, that's for sure. Um, it, I I, th- I feel like at this stage in my life, it would either be uh, like the ability to write something really incredible, you know, like story wise, uh, or or something musical musical related. I, I'd, I'd have to pick one of those. The interesting thing is, okay, what would you be willing to give up that you're as decent at as music at now in order to like express the music sprinkler <laughs> entirely? What in the backyard is gonna go dry when the musical front yard flourishes? Niceness. Oh gosh. <laughs> I want to become a total jerk musician. That's really can I dial that up? That is sad. No, I I mean can you can 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 you sacrifice athletic ability? Sure. Yes. I would sacrifice that cuz okay. I don't use that very often. Okay. I well, use that... it a lot in my younger days, but I would become you know, horrible at anything physical to be a good musician, to be a great musician. What about you? Oh, what about me? I like the, I've always said like the varieties of spice of life. I'm decent enough at enough things that just I just like to do a little thing and be good at it and then move on to something, decent at it and enjoy it and move on. Like, I'm just trying to think what what I could do if that's sit down at the piano and like do something amazing. Uh, how much, I can't, it's hard for me to quantify how much joy I would actually get from it. Having never, because I get joy from the little things and then moving on, you know. So it, it's just—it's almost like it's a different mentality. I don't think I would. Ch- I don't it's think I would do it. Taking something to a new level, though. But but it's giving something else up. Okay. Well, it's giving a mediocrity of of I would what variety up. Well, I've got a guy, and so that's what I'm not willing to do. I got a guy who gave up nothing. Oh. And gained musical genius. Uh, his name is Tony Sikora in Albany, New York. 1994, he's a 42-year-old orthopedic surgeon. He goes to a payphone to call his mom. It is 1994, they still had payphones that people actually used. He hangs up, he steps one foot away from the payphone and he is struck by lightning. Again, not constipation, but pretty traumatic. (laughs) Struck by lightning. He says he then sees his own body on the ground surrounded by bluish white light. 
So sort of an out-of-body out of experience, experience here. Surrounded by bluish-white light? Yeah. Sakura's heart. What's it, did he become the payphone? Uh, no, I don't believe so. What's the payphone got to do with it? That's just where he was. Oh, so it has nothing to do with it. Sakura's heart had apparently stopped, but he was resuscitated by a woman who happened to be a nurse that was waiting to use the payphone. <laughs> Again, oh. 1994. Not only are people using the payphone, there's, there's a line. line. <laughs> There's a line for the payphone. Wow. Can you Those imagine are, that? Yeah. I can't even locate a payphone. I couldn't find a payphone if you paid me to find the payphone. You could pay me in a payphone and I couldn't find a payphone. <laughs> me neither. But, okay, for the next couple of weeks after the strike, Tony's feeling sluggish. Well, first, a nurse is also a good person to be there when you're struck by lightning. Yeah, 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 it, hel it helps. And it's nice to have a payphone because you call 911. <laughs> yeah, it all works out. He's A few weeks after the, uh, the strike, he's feeling sluggish, he's having trouble remembering things. Is he still watching himself from above? Or no, that was temporary, that okay. was temporary. Uh, and I, just a little sidebar uh, on the whole out-of-body experience thing, just for those of you interested in this. Um, it has been, this, this phenomenon has been documented uh, in lots of different people and there's actually some really interesting explanations. Uh, the common denominator? A payphone. That people uh, th experience seeing themselves when they have a near-death experience. Not necessarily saying that you're actually leaving your body, but there's a, interesting neurological <clears throat> things that happen during that time that kind of help to explain this whole out-of-body thing. But re regardless of what's actually happening. Anyway, but these symptoms of not being able to remember things and feeling kind of sluggish, they go away, and then things get weird. Out of the blue, Tony, who's never been musical, uh, gets a sudden urge to listen to piano music. Hmm. Okay, he's just kind of a technical guy, a surgeon. Um, now, he had played piano for one year, just like forced to take piano lessons at age seven by his parents. He did not like it though. Mm -hmm. So, but he had never done anything else with music, okay? But okay. he doesn't just start wanting to listen to piano music. He finds that he is hearing piano music in his head. In his brain. And it is, he's hearing it crystal clear and it's new original music that he just hears playing in his head. Really? And then he figures out. He's a composer. That he can just sit down having no idea how to play the piano and not knowing how to read or write music. But he can sit down and play what he hears in his head. Well, he's at, he it's not he doesn't have any it's not that he doesn't have any idea. He's reaccessing and opening the valve from a 7-year-old but then applying some other part of the brain to it to just speak the language of music using his fingers. It's it's unbelievable. And he goes on to be, become I mean, he what this guy does now is he he writes music. He's a musician. Uh, here is. Is he like touring with Josh Groban or something? I mean, is this guy. Here he is playing uh, an appropriately know, named uh, Lightning Sonata. Uh, this is in Vienna. And, and you'll notice right before he plays this, I, I, I'm, not, I'm just gonna play you some of the music, but right before he plays this, he says, I received this one from the other side, so I can't claim that I wrote it. So from his perspective, 
he's got he has access to some musical dimension that he's now accessing, and then he's just writing it and playing it. So if somebody paid him, would he keep the money or would he send it to the other side? I don't know. I don't know how you send money to the other side. I think he'd go back to the payphone. Right. Okay, I get it. He, okay. He's good at the piano. I get it. You know, you could have played anything on the piano. Was, oh, yeah, okay. You can play the piano good. All right? Yeah. Okay. Here's the thing I love about this story. Um, now I know what to tell my kids when they don't want to do their piano practice. You know, Lily and Lincoln are both doing it because as a kid, now I wish as a kid that I would have learned to play piano. Oh, yeah. Like I, I do, that's why, I, that's what came to mind earlier because that's something I wanted to give my kids and I, I, the piano can translate. It's a great way to get into music. Yeah. It translates. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I was over Lincoln's shoulder trying to get him to practice the other night and getting really frustrated because I'm, I'm so impatient and such a horrible teacher. Well, I wasn't teaching him, I was just trying to get him to do what the teacher was telling him as his homework. And now I have a story. It could be like, Lincoln, you're gonna thank me one day when you get Struck by lightning at a payphone <laughs> when you're calling your mama, and all this is going to come back to you, and you're going to be even better at it than you are now. It's like it's like a it's like a savings bond of con, a concerto. You know, you put in a little ten uh, year old version of the piano now in your brain, and right. then it'll grow up ten twelve years from now when you get struck by lightning. It will it will have matured. Yeah, well, as without my, you without you doing anything in your sleep, and not your, just that, we have to arrange that. You know, this is why this is really supports my long held theory that there's music and lightning bolts, and that's what you, it was. We, and all you got to do is find that high spot during a thunderstorm. You know, everybody wants to get down in the ditch. Everybody wants to be inside. Mm-hmm. Get under the tallest tree. I mean, go there. You know, if you want to become a master pianist, <laughs> right. Uh, I hope. For the record. I, I hope that no one will actually do that. I hope that people know that. Do you think people know I'm being sarcastic? If they do, I hope they don't write a letter or tell anyone that's why and then they die. So right. they can't tell yeah. anyone that don't you did it. Don't get struck by lightning. You probably won't become a master pianist. I mean, uh, it, it, to me it's, if there was no point of reference for the piano, that would just be, or Mandarin. Like those, it would just, it would be mind blowing, but it's, I just wouldn't believe it. It's yeah. I mean, it's still a, incredibly cool. It's 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 almost on a brain mechanical level. It this is more fascinating because right. you know just enough to know it's not that magic. This isn't magic. It's not magic. That it's it's in there, right? And it incubates, and but when it and when it manifests itself, it's to a a savant level. Well, and th- this is this guy's been studied. Uh, Tony's been studied by uh, Columbia University neurologist. Oliver Sacks, uh, whose conclusion is, I cannot provide an exact medical explanation for Sikora's condition. <laughs> yeah, I mean, of course he can. isn't that, it's just fascinating that there's just so much that we don't know. 
There's so much that we don't know, but I definitely feel like these cases in which, again, uh, we were talking to Kevin uh, who helped research for this episode, who said that there's only about 25 cases of this thing happening in the world. So we're just experiencing the very beginning of this thing, but there's absolutely no doubt that 100, 200 years from now, whether it's through nanotechnology or just some injection, that you'll be able to rewire your brain to access some new level of potential. That whole Lucy movie and that whole like, what's the one with Bradley Cooper, Limitless, that whole, that all that's right. totally legit, man. That's maybe not exactly like it happened, but it's gonna happen. And you know what, R remind me, I wanna come back to this at the end, but just the thought about our brains and how we view technology outside of our brains, we'll come back to that. Okay. Uh, right now we gotta take a quick break uh, from these brain stories and tell you about something else that requires a lot of brain power. Building a website. Rhett, name a profession. Uh, mime. Mime needs websites, man. Mimes, really? Mimes needs websites. Do you know? Do you know of Mimes websites? <laughs> yeah, I think Mimes. No, I don't personally frequent Mime websites, but I'm just trying to make the point that everybody needs a website. Everybody could use one. And an occupation that doesn't speak and just uses really do what Mimes do. They yeah. certainly need a website. They, they need any help they can get to communicate. They can put some video on there of how you know this is me coming out of the box. This is me stuck in the box. This is me going down the stairs. This Captions. is me going up the stairs. Right. Portfolio website. Point made. Everyone needs a website. Squarespace provides simple, powerful, and beautiful websites that look professionally designed, regardless of your skill level. No coding required. And not only does Squarespace provide you with an intuitive and easy way to to use tools to create your website, but your site will be secure and stable. Squarespace is easy and simple. They give you 24-7 online support and a beautiful website for only $8 a month. You can even get a free domain if you buy Squarespace for the year. So begin a trial with no credit card required and start building your website today, y'all. When you decide to sign up, make sure to use offer code BISCUITS to get 10% off your first purchase and show your support of the show. Offer code BISCUITS, 10% off. Squarespace. And thanks to Squarespace for their support of Ear Biscuits. Squarespace, build it beautiful. I also wanna thank our other sponsor, audible.com. Um, this, I'm totally serious here, here. audible.com has revolutionized the way that I consume books because I'm the kind of now, person. Well, yeah, you used to do it with your eyes, now you do it with your ears. No, because here's the deal. I am the kind of person who loves the idea of reading books but never gets around to actually reading them nearly as much as I like the idea of it. But now that I've started listening to books, I'm actually, I'm gonna say that I'm reading the books. I am consuming the books. I'm learning the things that are in the books. And I do a lot of this while I'm driving and it's much better than those that thing I see people doing. You know the people who are like reading a novel oh, and they're dude. holding it up in I, front of their yes. freaking steering wheel? I've actually Have you seen this? Yeah, yes. People are still doing that and they could just be listening to the book. It's crazy. I've gone through a, more books in the past two months since I've been using Audible than I have in the previous you know, two years, easily. It's almost like getting hit, getting hit in the head. <laughs> mm, yeah, and that's a great waking analogy. Waking up and having you listen to a book. Over 180,000 titles so you'll find something that'll keep your attention. The Audible app is free and works on iPhones, iPad, Android, and Windows Phone. You can also download and listen on your Kindle Fire and over 500 MP3 players. I, 
500 MP3 players? Are there 500 different types of MP3 I, players? Zune is the only one I can I, come up with. Unlike streaming a rental service with Audible, you own the books. You can access your books anytime, anywhere, right from your smartphone. Audible.com also has the great listen guarantee. If you decide you don't like the book you chose, hey, no worries. You can exchange any book you aren't happy with for any other title, anytime, no questions asked. Also, as a special for Ear Biscuits listeners, audible.com is offering a free audiobook of your choice and a free 30-day trial membership. Go to audible.com slash ret and link today to start your free trial. Again, show your support for Ear Biscuits and get a free audiobook and 30-day trial at audible.com, audible.com slash ret and link. That is A-N-D spelled out, not the ampersand. That won't work. All right, back into this biscuit. Jason Paget is the name of a guy that we went to high school with. I'm about to say that sounds like somebody <laughs> we went to high school with. Uh, but as it turns out, there's another Jason Paget in Tacoma, Washington oh, that we did not Jason go to high Padgett. school with. Yes, big guy, real big. Not like muscular. Oh, I was thinking Jason Batson. No, Jason Batson was, uh, was a different guy. Different guy. Different name. Jason Paget. We barely knew him, barely. but I, kn- I hadn't thought of his name until I'm about to tell you about this guy who's not him. <laughs> yeah, so we shouldn't even be talking it's about the other one. It's just a different guy. Yeah. But you know how when, I'm sorry guys, when you when a name comes up, man, I haven't heard that name in a long time. Let me see if I can figure out who it is. He's a big guy. I don't know, you, you get hung up. Yeah, right. My brain won't let me let go of this. But now we're gonna shut down the old Jason Padgett part of the brain and open up the new Jason Padgett part yes, of the brain. Yes, we're, right. re- we're gonna express this It's a savant. One. All right. This dude's a furniture salesman in Tacoma, Washington. Uh, in 2002, two men savagely attack him outside of a karaoke bar before robbing him. Mm. Who's gonna? That's rough. Man, Boy. that's it's cold. Someone's been at a karaoke bar. Somebody's all night. singing "Islands in the Stream" in the background, and you're getting your head, head kicked in. Oh, that's horrible. Dude, they hit him over the head from behind and left him with a severe concussion and post-traumatic stress disorder. Oh, I mean, it's bad. I mean, and he had been doing karaoke all night. Like, that's well, hopefully like at least bad had a, to work. Well, no, sometimes you come off a good karaoke <laughs> run. I mean, sometimes I've really nailed it a few times. Right. The incident also turned uh, Jason Paget, the one that we didn't go to high school with, into a mathematical genius who now sees the world through fractals. What? This, yes, this guy's like the poster child for turning lemons into lemonade. Yeah, I used to just be a guy who sold furniture. We sang karaoke and got the crap beat out of me behind the karaoke bar, and now I'm a mathematical genius I, but I who sees the world as fractals. I mean, what? I, I have a I've I know what a fractal looks like, but it makes no sense to me. How do you see the world in fractals? Well, I'll tell you how he explains it. First of all, he said uh, he back in school he always hated math. But the injury unlocked the part of his brain that makes everything in his world appear to have a mathematical structure. It's like he has a superpower he sees in math. That's it's nuts. like a filter over his eyes. He said, I see shapes and angles everywhere in real life, from the geometry of a rainbow to fractals and water spiraling down a drain. It's just really beautiful. <laughs> well, I hope it's, it's beautiful. I want this guy to sell me furniture. Sounds like it would drive, it, drive me crazy. No, I mean, he, he's in awe of it. This is and, a fractal couch. I know you can't tell. But it's amazing. But it's just fractals, man. He just, he just, this sectional sofa is just full of fractals. He just went back to his in my job, mind. and he's just like staring at furniture. Yeah. And like, it's a, as if it's the most beautiful thing. You know, I've never been on acid, don't plan on it, but 
it seems like that's what this guy would look like staring at a couch like it's amazing. Well, hopefully he can control it a little bit better than that. Um, <laughs> Barrett Brogard, a philosophy professor at the University of Miami, um, scanned Paget's brain. So you got a philosophy guy scanning his brain. It showed significant activity in the left hemisphere, hemisphere which where mathematical skills are known to reside. So yeah. that makes sense. His brain lit up mostly in the left parietal cortex. I think I'm saying that right. The area behind the crown of the head that is known to integrate information from different senses. So, I mean, we have a little bit more information about this guy that, okay, there's this information integration center and mathematical skill center and it's lighting up, you know, that's what you would expect to like this super electric degree that he can, he's tapped into this dormant area again where this resides in everyone. Like if I could find this place in your brain and stimulate it correctly, correctly, correctly. <laughs> hey man, stimulate this correctly. <laughs> I, can't, I can't speak while doing it, but. You're speaking in fractals now. <laughs> you would see couches. You turn correctly into correctly. Like an amazing geometry teacher. He started sketching but, but, the stuff that he was the stuff that he was seeing, he would sketch like circles made of overlapping triangles and he began to understand the concept of pi in like a mind-blowing way. Um, he didn't have any formal understanding to interpret the drawings that he himself was making. He could, he was just making. He could just do it. Making the drawings out of instinct. A physicist happened to walk by him in a mall. Dude was, Jason was just sitting in a mall sketching things that he was seeing. Furniture. A physicist walks Here's by. Here's a chair, here's a love seat. And is like, oh, that's, he, you know, he strikes up a conversation and says, dude, you need to get mathematical training because the stuff you're drawing is amazing. And when you look at it, it's like, it's like looking at a, like line drawings that you could see in a kaleidoscope, like perfectly geometric um, drafting table level precision drawing. Or like just, something you see this, in a 3D program. Yeah, but the, angular. This, this guy's just drawing them out of instinct. And and now uh, he's, a, he's a sophomore in school as, as a, in a, in a aspiring, I can't speak anymore. Yeah, notice. It's like my brain is so overwhelmed with this knowledge yeah, that shutting it down. maybe my language center is shutting down and I'm making room for something else that has nothing to do with I'm this podcast. I am so anxious as to what it might be. He's an aspiring number theorist, and he's like being trained to do it, and he loves it this, because it's now resonating with the new brain that he's got. But this, this concept of uh, the the con- the word that this doctor used was that there was a dormant part of his brain, yeah, it that, was that in we there. potentially have. It just makes me wonder um, why, why, what, why is that there, and what do you mean by dormant? Is this a part of the brain that was used at some point in the history of our ancestors? Um, you, you know, way, way back, like a part, you know how your brain has different layers that you have in common with, you know, other life forms. And mm-hmm. it's like you access different parts depending on certain emotions or certain things you're doing. What, what is this part of his brain that he now has access to that we probably have in our brain, but we don't have access to it. What does that? What does that mean? Well, Red, I'll tell you exactly what it means. No, I mean, of course, I don't know. I mean, 
that's the fascinating thing is that even the people who know are st- we're still are still guessing and having making analogies and it's like space exploration. Well, did you see did you see that movie Lucy with uh, Scarlett Johansson? No. So, not a great movie. Just I'll just say right up front, not a great movie. I saw uh, the one where she was just the voice. Uh, her, which was Joaquin which Phoenix, was a great her. movie. But in Lucy, which also had Morgan Freeman in it, she is I, the subject of some. Uh, I can't remember exactly how it it happens. Where there's like something she takes or something the way she's operated on. I can't remember, but she basically gains access to her entire the entire usage of her brain and it's based on uh the whole 10 percent of the brain you know mm-hmm. we don't use but 10 percent of our brain uh, or at a time or whatever that old thing was the idea of being able to access every part of your brain she becomes just this amazing being who can do all this stuff that seems supernatural and beyond just being really smart and just she's doing all kinds of weird stuff. But that idea, this kind of gives credence to that. Well, you, it's you, a you, it's a question of is it the guys, is it a hidden secret that's been that's been placed within the brain to be unlocked, or is it the byproduct of biological processes that just happens to be advantageous, or we're on the precipice of unlocking it if we just Hit our noggins right. Well, is there some analogy in in like machines or computers that we use? In in like okay, you've got an uh, an oven or a microwave or a blender, and you drop the blender, and all of a sudden there's like a new setting on the blender that just doesn't happen. You know, you drop a blender, and like all of a sudden you can't chop anymore. It, it, it isn't like you can, now you can like dice things that you couldn't do before. Well, it's I mean, not how things, cause, well, cause it's not a living being. It isn't. I will point that out. Well, and it doesn't have a brain. It doesn't have a brain that has a lot of plasticity and the ability to just, you know, brains are, we don't understand them. They're malleable. Um, there's just so much potential in them. We're not blenders, Link. That's That's the conclusion. We're not blenders. But maybe if we put our brains into a blender, maybe that's maybe that's what we need to do. Well, you first. Um, okay, on with the amazing things that have happened to people. Orlando uh, Sorrell, in 1979, he's 10 years old. He's playing a baseball game with his friends. He runs to first base. The baseball is thrown in his direction. Strikes him on the left side of the head. I knew that was gonna happen. Uh, he falls to the ground, stays there for a while unconscious, then he gets up and starts playing baseball again. He walked it off. Okay. Um, but since that injury, Orlando can tell you the day of the week and the weather on every date after this accident. Okay? You understand what I'm saying? So he's a weatherman? So if you say, Orlando, June 19th, 1998, almost immediately, he doesn't like even look like he's thinking. He just looks like you asked me a question and now I'm giving you an answer. He'll say, Friday, sunny. It was um, a Friday. I don't know what the weather was. Can, can I point out that how would anyone check this, the accuracy of this? Well, yeah. it, it, well it's been, it has been checked. 
Uh, I actually saw this guy in a uh, Discovery Mall? Discovery Channel. Did you go no. and talk to him? No, he was not at a booth. I saw him on a Discovery Channel documentary. He's also been on Dateline NBC, uh, where they they visited him and they demonstrated this. He can also remember some details about the things that he did that day, like oh, I ordered a pizza with pepperoni and sausage on that day. Um, but he says that he's not remembering it. He's when you give him a date, it's like he's reading it. He says he can see the details right in front of him, just like on a, like he's accessing information from a screen. Wow! Now this is he's not thinking. This is fascinating, but it's also sad <laughs> because so what? You know, it's like what? How can I'm trying to I'm trying to help the guy out. I'm like, well, how can it'll this enrich you, his life? It gets you on television. Get you on. It gets you to be a subject matter on your biscuits. I know. But I mean, that's not bad. I mean, I'm just not complaining know, about that. He's like a very specific. He's just a database. I mean, he's a weather database. I, but you know, but, I mean, sometimes I think exist, about. I and think about weather databases. I th- yeah, but you, I don't. When you have Orlando as a friend, you never go to weather.com. But he can't tell you the next. The, he can't tell you tomorrow's weather. So I guess you still do. I know. Since when have you gone to anywhere to ask for when the weather, weather was, was? What was in the, the weather? Past. I don't know. Farmer's he's Almanac, a, man. He's an anti-weather man. He's a negative weather man. I think it's like the Farmer's Almanac. He can predict the next year pretty accurately. But I could always just go. Just to based on historical data. So. Daylight NBC invites Orlando to Columbia University in New York to perform a functional MRI test on his brain. So they want to see what lights up. During the procedure, they videotaped Orlando undergoing undergoing the MRI and then used it to compare his brain functions to that of normal people. So they ask him questions about dates in the past. You know, same thing like June nineteenth, nineteen ninety eight. And the control group, um, when you ask them about the weather of a day in the past, their response is. So what? I I don't know. Why? You know? (laughs) Who cares? And he is told to only think about the answers but not say them out loud. Now here's what they find. It's it's really fascinating. In addition to using the part of the brain that normal people would use for computation, Orlando was also using the limbic area of the brain which is associated with emotion. Okay. But Dr. Hirsch, uh, who was the doctor who was doing this, Concluded based on the scans that Orlando is not using the memory part of his brain when calculating the weekdays. He's using emotions? Basically, I think the answer is, we don't know what he's doing, but he's using his brain in a way that normal people don't. He's not doing something better, because me and you, if you ask us a date, we'd have to like get out, we'd have to, it would take me an hour to do a bunch of math and to like write it all out to like just go back to like you know three months ago to figure out what day of the week something was. Mm-hmm. He's not doing that. He's doing it it's differently. It's an al- alternate process he, entirely. He's, yeah, he's not moving through computations Quickly. faster. He's doing. He's accessing the information immediately using a combination of the compu- the computation part of his brain and the emotional part of his brain. They basically don't really understand what's going on. But they're just able w- to observe that it's different. Here's what I want to know: how they discovered this? You know, it, it's probably not just he can tell you the weather, the day of the week, and what the weather was. It's probably more generic than that, or more general. There's other things he can remember, like you said, he can remember. It's not just 
oh, he he th- he's there's some special unlocked valve in like the weather day data bank Another of his valve. brain. Yeah, it's 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 probably more broad than that, and he can remember other things. But that's just how it's being packaged for Dateline and for us. Well, it's that's like the first he's, thing I think. Well, it's it's like he's constantly playing a. Um, a recorder that he can immediately access the information, but the thing, the main thing that it records you, is the day in the weather. Yeah, it's like his brain is doing something totally different. It's like his brain became a different tool than what a typical brain would be. So, but the fascinating thing is, is, is obviously, um, this is an it's an amazing thing. But I too agree with you that it's a relatively useless. Uh, thing it's amazing that it happened but let's just say the principle is you know getting hit in the side of the head with a baseball in the perfect way when you're 10 years old can unlock something fascinating if you could unlock some powerful memory technique what would it be like you know what if it was every song i've ever listened to i know all the lyrics now that that would be yeah. awesome i mean talk us talk about karaoke you know I mean, all of a sudden you, I mean, there's, that, that's there's, pretty useful. There's sports people who know all that kind of data. I don't know, I don't know what I would know. I'm trying to come up with something ultra useful, not something just ultra cool. I, I, I think I would want the ability to read a book and be able to access all the facts, all the facts from the book. You're, you're a lot better at retaining information than I am, so I feel like if only one of us can get this, it's gotta be me. <laughs> like I, I'm really hurting for this. Like I need this one, so that's a good one. Or I'm you, taking that. But one. you know, an- another useful memory skill. You know how when something happens to you, and then <clears throat> and this happens to everybody, and then you want to sit down and tell the story, and you can't quite get everything right. Being able to remember exactly how something happened to you, it, like almost for the sake of like telling a funny story at a party, <laughs> or the know, witness stand. Yeah, that, use it that would also be that would be helpful. just being able to remember detailed events with great accuracy. I'd be I'd get hit in the head with a golf ball for that. It's it's difficult when you can't apply it to other people's situations. Like I'd much rather be you know if it only applies to things you've experienced, you can't help but so many people. But if you know a lot of things, you could help out other people. Uh, let me tell you about this this guy that I'm really interested in because I would much rather have what this guy has. Okay. Um, Alonzo Clemens uh, from Boulder, Colorado uh, was always good with his hands. At the age of two, he could sculpt and mold Play-Doh for hours at a time. But when he was three years old, he fell down and sustained a a serious head injury, okay? Uh, Changed his life forever. He was, for years, he was unable to speak, tie his shoes, even dress himself. Doctor said he had an IQ of 40. Whoa. to this day, Alonzo, I mean, he's hes made tremendous strides in terms of his quality of life, um, but he still can't read because that part of his brain, it just won't allow him to, uh, the way, the, the damage that he suffered. However, if you put a piece of clay in his hands, you will be amazed what this guy can do with it. He, he, there is a genius part of his brain that's been unlocked to sculpt things. He can look at any animal, a horse, a dolphin, a bull, a giraffe, name it, just a few moments and then using only his hands in clay, he can create an insanely detailed three-dimensional replica 
out of clay or wax. Like, perfect. Um, this is not like a work of art, like, oh, that looks cool. An approximation of a horse. This, this is a perfect proportional rendering, anatomically correct, externally. Wow, anatomically correct. It, he doesn't get the organs inside right. It's just like, from the look, it's like perfectly super realistic sculpture of anything. Um, the images in him, his mind are are the only thing he uses for for reference. Like he'll look at a horse once, if you like, I saw footage of him like outside of a horse stable and he's like sculpting a horse, but he's not looking at the horse. He looked at the horse for a second. He got it, I got and then it, he just, horse, yeah. done. It's like a 3D uh, printer. This guy is a 3D yes, printer. Yes, he is a human 3D printer. That's exactly you right. You don't need one. You the, need this guy. The images in her mind are so- are Only so, clay, though. In his mind are so accurate, he even he can sculpt in the dark without even looking at what his hands are doing. For oh, years- it's, it's just all by feel? That's what they say, man. For years, his work was only based on photographs, um, so his sculptures didn't have as much dimension because he didn't- he only saw the the pictures, uh, but then he started going to zoos and horse stables, and like people would take him to animals, and yeah. then he would it, it was like spitting out like a three D image. You're exactly right. This guy would be like the ultimate zoo companion. You know, going to I, I yeah. got, I'll be honest with you. I, I'm not big on the zoo. I mean, I, it's always a disappointment. They're all the animals are always hiding. You need you need a sculpture. Zoo I companion. need Alonso. Be like, listen, man. I know that the lions are going to be back there sleeping behind the rock, but so when we get there, can you just like sculpt one? He is. It's not even that he is able to do it. He's compelled to do it. Like he can't help. He can't but do help it. but do it. That's it's like so strong of an urge, um, and. Some of the like neurological explanations I've uh, read have said things, they've described it as this, we all have this ability, but that for, for most people it's overwritten by complex speech abilities that have been erased for Alonzo. And it kind of exposed something. So it, you know, I don't know why they say this, but they describe it as something that's been exposed or opened up, not something that's been created by trauma. Again, you're saying that we could do this if we could only access that part of the brain. Yeah. Savants like Alonzo can store information in their memories just like regular people do, but unlike most of us, they can retrieve incredible amounts of information from a very strong, small range. like spatial data, he can retrieve it. Just like the piano guy can retrieve details or the weather guy can retrieve the, those specific details. It's Does he sell this stuff? Does he yeah. have a website? Yeah, he has a website. Alonzo Clemens, C-L-E-M-O-N-S dot com. Like he's selling like a hippo mama and a hippo baby for $1,200. Oh wow. This is all like this bronze is, stuff. It's not cheap. Um, but it's super inspiring. I got, you know, uh, the videos online, if you just search his name, uh, they're very inspirational. So yeah, I mean, he's uh, he demonstrates his sculpting at schools to help inspire children. And he's also had a hobby as a power lifter and was in the Special Olympics for doing power lifting. Dude's amazing. Dang. Here, here's the thing in general. 
I mean, the brain is so fascinating. This kind of has given us a window into, uh, if you want to call it the un untapped potential, okay. You know, I the mystery that is our brain is so fascinating, so amazing, so enthralling. We, we, we look at technology and we're like, oh, I got to have that next thing. That's amazing that now we've created that thing. But this has given me an appreciation for this device that is nestled under our everybody's skull. Like we all have this device that's so mysterious and so amazing and untapped and unfathomable to a lot of degree, inexplicable, that we're we're just carrying it around on the top of this. So what like, are you gonna do? Heap of jaunting <laughs> human mat walk walker walker thing. Well. On, inside the walker thing in order to get to the. But it's right up here, we all have it. And all we gotta do is push real hard while we're using the bathroom, <laughs> get struck by lightning, don't wear a helmet while playing baseball, don't wear your seatbelt while driving a car. What other things, what other things just, can we learn? Or just, just fall over in an aggressive just manner. Just fall, just fall. <laughs> if it were only that easy. <laughs> right. Uh, well, I, I mean, I, I really think about, I mean, growing up, the huge televisions we had in the 80s, and if it didn't work, what would you do? Hit it. You'd go up to the side of it and you'd hit it. Yeah, and it worked. Like, even in Mad Men, I don't, <laughs> in the last season, I don't know if you remember that, but there's that moment where, I can't remember which character it was, um, goes up and hits the side of the television, and that's one of the things I love about Mad Men is that it triggers these Memories. You can't do that to a television anymore because because it's it, it's too thin, and you don't want to hit the screen. You need a box. They need to bring the box back so you can just really hit it. That's because it wasn't. I mean, I'm not going to even say why because I don't know, but it had something to do with the tube. But you know, it's I I'm not going to say. Well, I'm going to try really hard to unlock this potential. But it's just knowing that I have this thing up there. That's it's like carrying around like the depths of the ocean or the depths of space plumb, in between my ears. Plumb the depths between your ears. That's that's the motto. Plumb, of, plumb of, the of depths. What? I'm using your plumbing analogy. Of I'm, us, I'm bringing that's it, our motto? I'm bringing it full circle. Plumb the depths between your ears. I don't know if that means, you know, put more stuff in there or, uh, I, I definitely don't think it means don't wear a helmet, but. I don't know, or just sit around and wait for the nanotechnology pill that'll make all this easy. I hope you've been fascinated. I hope you've um, been inspired to appreciate and begin to plumb the depths between your ears today on this Ear Biscuit. Please, please do that. Let us know what you think. Uh, tweet at us. Use your brain. At Rhett and Link, hashtag Ear Biscuits. To access the emotional and computational and memory parts of your brain and access that part of the brain, turn it into language. It could be Mandarin, it could be English. You can make a sculpture of what you think that we look like right now while we're doing this. Take an Instagram photo. Whatever, do it. Plumb the depths between your ears. We'll speak at you next week. <laughs>